1: The clock never stops moving. Remind yourself every day when you start your work that in your hourglass of today, there are only 1,440 minutes. 168 hours per week is your allotment to use your creative mind, talents, and physical hard work to manifest the business that supports the lifestyle that you want. And since we live in digital time, it seems as though our pace is rushed, rapid-fire, and relentless. Many face crushing workloads all the while, trying to cram as much as possible into every day. We're wired up, but we're melting down. Time management is no longer a viable solution. The new paradigm is all about energy and how we use it, and most importantly, renew it. It's ironic to realize that the new paradigm of managing our energy in order to survive the frenetic pace of the 21st century and indeed thrive is not really new. In fact, its foundation lies in the wisdom of the ancient texts of Indian philosophy and traditional Chinese medicine, a self-contained 5,000-year-old system for living in harmony. All of these bodies of ancient wisdom recognize that energy is the fundamental principle of life, and if it's not harnessed or renewed, major struggles, symptoms, and imbalances manifest in our daily life. It might sound a bit nebulous, yet energy transcends time, space, and dimension, as quantum physicists would attest. Simply put, when you manage energy the key to enduring high performance as well as health, happiness, and life balance, you are, in fact, managing time. Think about it. Time is your only true currency. You have to get real about who and what gets your time, talent, skills, resources, and life energy. We say we waste time, but that's impossible. We waste ourselves. But first, you have to think about and analyze how you're currently using your time currency for the five types of energy. Mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial. If, when you think about how you're using time currency, be honest and open if you need to admit that more often than not, you find yourself having self-defeating thoughts or feelings like anxiety, worry, doubts, fears, grudges, and a lack of direction. I call those time leaks, which means it's impossible to be creative, inspired, functional, or happy. If you understand that you are the creator of your life by your thoughts and actions, then you also understand that all energy gets results. It's called cause and effect, and that requires you to be conscious of all the energy you emit. After you really think about how you spend your time, the second step is deciding if you want to change any habits, behaviors, and or attitudes that are in the way of you spending your time more wisely. If you have determined that there is a habit, like always saying yes, which leads to overcommitting yourself, Apart from knowing what you don't want, you must also know what you do want. If you don't want to act, be a certain way, what do you want instead? Identifying the positive habit that you want is just as important as identifying the bad habit that you want to change so that the old habit will have an adequate replacement. The unfortunate truth is that far too many people are so goal-oriented from a career point of view that they often lose perspective and balance as far as their personal, family, and social lives are concerned. Interestingly enough, when you live the balanced life in your personal home and community life, in the long run, you'll do better in your business career. In last week's show... We talked about the practice of mindfulness, being fully present and living in the moment. One of the most important moments you have every day is when you first wake up. If you're in the practice of hopping out of bed and immediately start hustling to do all those things you have to do physically to get out the door, like getting dressed, feed the cat, assist the kids, hopefully you eat, check your schedule for appointments or errands, find your keys, and then zoom off to work, driving in traffic, and certain that everyone else has no place to get to by a certain time, but no, not you, you're in a hurry, hurry environment. All day long. If you understand that the way you start your day often determines how that day is going to go and will ultimately play a part in how many days you have, then it might make sense to start your day in an organized but pleasant and relaxed way. This means doing one of three things, all of which involve getting up earlier. One option is quiet time. Finding that space that allows you the ability to just sit and think. I can tell you that when I rise early and have that quiet time for at least 15 minutes, my day goes so much better. Let me give you another perspective. In Herman Melville's Moby Dick, there is a violent, turbulent scene in which a whaleboat scuds across the frothing ocean in pursuit of the great white whale Moby Dick. The sailors are laboring fiercely, every muscle taut, all attention and energy concentrated on the task. The cosmic conflict between good and evil is joined. The chaotic sea, and demonic sea monster versus the morally outraged man, Captain Ahab. In this boat there is one man who does nothing. He does not hold an oar, he does not perspire, he does not shout. He is languid in the crash and the cursing. This man is the harpooner, quiet and poised, waiting. And then there is this sentence To ensure the greatest efficiency of the dart, the harpooners of this world must start to their feet out of idleness and not from out of toil. In business, we might not be faced with the physical danger or have a great need for a burst of physical energy, but we are faced with different kinds of opportunities which are emotionally and physically draining. To move into these challenges from a time of restful rejuvenation can make a significant difference in our effectiveness. The second option you have in starting your day is to read or listen to something inspirational. It's a proven fact that some psychologists have determined that your first encounter of the day has a more direct bearing on your attitude for that day than your next five encounters, those you actually spend time with. The third option for starting your day, and a very effective way to start it, is with exercise. This gets your adrenaline flowing and your endorphins hopping, so you've gotten your day off to a flying start. No matter whether you are leading a team, developing marketing strategies, running a small business, or writing copy, when you are compensated for creating value with your mind, the pressure to perform is palpable. Because brilliant ideas seem to be a free and renewable resource, it's easy for you to believe that you can incrementally ratchet up your productivity without experiencing side effects. But this understanding of the economics of creating is not only false, it can also be damaging to both your ability to do your best work now and to your long-term sustainability as a creative. To attempt to be perpetually brilliant and increasingly productive without changing the basic habits and structure of your life to accommodate that undertaking is a futile effort. When I come back, I'm going to introduce you to Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice, who has broken down the secrets of highly effective creatives.
2: This is Mike Fossey from Fort Collins, Colorado, in Reno, Nevada. You are listening to the Sherry Hill show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she gave me the opportunity to promote the Civil Air Patrol and Honor Flight sherry hill is the wealth protection diva
0: sage international incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies information education tools resources and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream if you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin sage international incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com.
3: Hello, I'm Andy Cassidy from Junk King, Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you call us, Junk King, Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. Call Junk King, Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully licensed and bonded. Call Junk King, Reno, 888-888-JUNK.
2: This is Marnie Sleberg from War Road, Minnesota, United States of America, and you are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is encouraging and invigorating. Thank you, Sherry.
1: Todd Henry teaches leaders and organizations how to establish practices that lead to everyday brilliance. He is the author of three books, The Accidental Creative... Die Empty and Louder Than Words, which have been translated into more than a dozen languages, and he speaks and consults across dozens of industries on creativity, leadership, and passion for work. I picked up his book, The Accidental Creative, and found it to be an excellent blueprint, whether you're a traditional creative, like a writer, musician, or performer, or the non-traditional creatives such as managers, salespeople, and consultants for learning how to be brilliant when it counts the most. So Todd, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you, Sherry. It's great to be here.
1: So the overall precept of this book, The Accidental Creative, which I absolutely loved, is that you tell people if you want to deliver the right idea at the right moment, you must begin the process far upstream from when you need that idea by building purposeful practices into your life. So can you share just a little bit about what you mean by a purposeful practice?
2: I think that there's a kind of a a misunderstanding about creativity that we think tend to think that creativity is about freedom and wide open spaces and don't tell me what to do and don't fence me in. And in reality, that's the opposite of what I've seen in the lives of prolific, brilliant, and ultimately healthy creatives. Really, creativity and structure are two sides of the same coin. If we want to be effective, if we want to be brilliant when it counts most, we need to be preparing ourselves for those moments when we want to be brilliant. And that means building regular practices into our life that enable us to feed our mind, enable us to make you know, deep and important connections that help us forge a network of strong relationships that keep us inspired and aligned a uh, framework for making decisions so that we're not spending our energy in meaningless places. Instead, we're funneling it toward the most effective activity. So there's just a couple of ways that we need to build structure into our lives. Uh, you know, Most of us feel like we're pushing a wall forward an inch at a time. You know, we have our arms spread and we're moving a whole lot of things forward a little bit at a time, but the, the most brilliant, the most productive, and the most prolific people that I've met understand that they need some guide rails. They need some boundaries around their activity so that they're spending themselves in meaningful ways.
1: Yes. Well, one of the things that you talked about, which I absolutely loved, was the- When you think of people who have to be creative, and any more in the the world of business, we all have to be creative. Whether you're writing blogs, or speaking, or even just communicating with your staff, right? Because everybody wants transparency and communication. Is what you call whole life planning, and this is something you learned. Obviously, you know, experiencing when when our lives are out of control. I know that same feeling where, you know, people want to segment and go, here's my work life, here's my home life, and never the two should cross, but that's not reality. Talk about how you arrived at whole life planning.
2: (laughs) Well, I think we tend to have this misunderstanding about energy and about focus and about time, you know, that, that says something like this. If I can physically do it, then it doesn't interfere with anything else in my life. It's fine. I can do it. I can commit to it. But we fail to realize that every commitment we make, Sherry, Uh, requires something of us and and not just our physical presence but our emotional engagement you know engagement with our energy engagement with our focus Um, and and we often discount how when we make a commitment in one area of our life how it affects every other area of our life. If we're making a commitment on a personal front, that affects our ability to engage in our work life. If we make a commitment in our work life, that affects the level of energy we have to give to our family or our friends or service projects. And so what i found very, very helpful, and I've walked through this process with many people and, and organizations uh, on, on sort of a, a team level is to ensure that each commitment that you make in your life, as you're making that commitment, you are considering how will this commitment affect other commitments that I'm making in my life? How will this commitment overlap with or conflict the ex- with the expectations of other people in my organization or you know, other people in my life? Uh, if I'm going to make a commitment to a work project, how will that affect my ability to engage with my family? Maybe I have a very important season coming up with my family. We're g- going to be very busy. Uh, is this the right time to make this decision or to make this commitment? And if I can't avoid making conflicting commitments, how am I going to deal with that conflict? And think about that ahead of time. You know, many people don't do that, Sherry, and as a result they get into these really intense seasons, whether at work or at home, and they just feel drained, they feel zapped, and quite frankly, they burn out and they have to sort of crash and burn and refresh themselves. And so what I found really helpful for people and for teams is to ensure that you're getting ahead of those seasons, that you know what's coming and you develop a plan ahead of time for how you're going to deal with an incredibly intense season. What kinds of, you know, things are you going to do to break away from the intensity? Are you going to build some extra space into your life during that season for recuperation, you know, instead of just running 24-7 like many of us do? But the the, the key insight here is that we have to get ahead of those conflicting commitments or get ahead of those especially intense seasons so that we're not just Uh, you know, running on fire like so many of us do.
1: Right. Well, and, and, you know, that's another one of your practices that you point out, which is we have to recharge our batteries, right? I mean, people that have to be creative and in the flow and in the zone and in the moment to be able to produce this, you know, brilliant work, If we're not at our highest and best self, it is impossible to be as effective and productive. And so you know this, you're in a creative world. You write a lot of books, obviously family, all those things. And so when you work with individuals or, as you said, you go in and talk to teams or companies, what is the message that you share about... You know, you can't expect your digital media specialist or your blog writer to be on eight hours, five days a week. How do you help them get into that creative space?
2: Well, that's a very difficult message, uh, because I think so many organizations right now are obsessed with efficiency innovation, and we want to squeeze as much as we can out of what we have. And I think that was a result of some of the economic turmoil of the past several years. I think companies have had to do uh, more with less and then they realize, oh, we can do more with less. (laughs) I think that's become an obsession for many organizations and the net result is that people are being squeezed more than they ever have. And what I've tried to argue with organizations is that if you spend all this time hiring people, training them, bringing them in, finding the right talent, adapting them to your culture, helping them get aligned with the overall priorities of the organization, it's not only you know, good for the individual to create space to for them to do their best work and to allow them to focus on effectiveness, not just efficiency. It's actually good for business in the long run to have people who aren't just obsessed with squeezing out more work, but are instead thinking, what kind of value do we want to create over the long term for our organization. You know, in a a vineyard, Sherry, one of the primary roles of the vine keeper is to regularly prune areas of new growth off the vine. Perfectly good fruit. Why would you prune perfectly good fruit off of a growing vine? Well, it's because the vine keeper knows that if that fruit isn't regularly pruned, the new fruit isn't regularly pruned from the vine, it will eventually begin to steal resources from the older, more mature fruit-bearing parts of the vine. And over time, the entire vine will succumb to systemic mediocrity because it doesn't, there aren't enough resources to bear that much good fruit. You know, And as organizations, as creatives, we don't struggle with new fruit on our vine, new ideas, new projects, new things we want to do. What we're terrible at is saying no. We're terrible at pruning, creating space so that better things can be born. And so if you and I individually or if we as organizations want to create value, if we want to focus on effectiveness, not just efficiency, we have to be willing to prune. We have to be willing to say no in the short term to some really good things so we can say yes to really great things in the long run.
1: Stick with us. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, this is Jeff Hyman, your startup therapist based in Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important because she really gets it. She understands what entrepreneurs need to do to build a successful business. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva.
3: Hello, I'm Andy Cassidy from Junk King, Reno. The guests are coming to your home for the holidays, but are you ready? We're here to help you. Junk King can help you clear out the spare room or any part of your home that needs rubbish, trash, or junk removed so you can have space you need for your guests. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully licensed and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK junk king reno locally owned and operated let us help you get ready for the holidays call junk king reno 888-888 junk is it that time of year to make an appointment
4: are you in the market for a mammogram instead of a mammogram why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram thermograms are the modern safe alternative to a mammogram by mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present a very early detection can be noted and addressed this breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast and best of all it is painless does not involve any breast compression no physical contact and no radiation exposure a certified medical training specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today. 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com.
1: If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. If working harder, smarter, and faster won't solve it, what will? If you were to pause and think seriously about the priorities in your life, the two, three, or four things that matter most, what would they be? Are these things receiving the care, emphasis, and time you really want to give them? As we learn through Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative, it takes established practices to be brilliant at a moment's notice. I focus this entire show on the importance of managing our energy, so now it's time to go a little bit deeper by sharing that there are actually nine categories that you must manage to be truly effective and productive. When you have mastered these nine categories, it frees you up, so you have the energy to focus on those true priorities. First, the definition I use for managing is about handling things, about maintaining order, about organization and control. This applies both at home and at work, and since I tend to focus this show on business, the definition I use for managing is about handling things, about maintaining order, about organization and control. This applies both at home and at work, and since I tend to focus this show on business, follow along as I apply it to work. The first category to manage is your space. Are you trying to work in a location that is not organized, laid out to support your work, and your work style? Does this space have incessant interruptions? Is it noisy? Are there windows or good lighting? Is the temperature comfortable? Do you have any plants? Most people's ineffectiveness, inefficiency, poor productivity, and unsatisfactory results are rooted in being in the wrong place, in the wrong environment, to do the job at hand. The second category is managing your stuff. This means inventory, supplies, tools, and equipment. Is it organized? Easy to get to, in good working condition, and in locations around the office that make sense. I can remember before I really gave this a lot of thought, I had a stapler that would jam every third time I stapled. I would get so frustrated and spend several minutes trying to get the staple out of the stapler. Once I recognized the wasted energy I was consuming, I threw the stapler away and got a new one. Wow, life-changing. The third category is managing information. This relates to every way you send and receive information. Emails, magazines, books, business cards, files, folders, client interactions, meetings, and on and on. Do you have good systems in place that provide you with the efficiency and effectiveness to deal with all of it? Like keep it, delegate it, or trash it as it's coming in. I also want to say that also related to managing information is communication. Understand that there are four fatal assumptions that business leaders make concerning their communication. One, people understand what was communicated. Two, people agree with what was communicated. Three, people care about what was communicated. And four, people will take appropriate action. The biggest problem with leadership communication is the illusion that it has occurred. I have a saying that I remind myself every day. The quality of my communication is the quality of the response I get. So miscommunication, poor communication, or no communication will always create problems. I also want to add behavior. Behavior is what people do, and much of it is conveyed via verbal or nonverbal communication. Examples of nonverbal behaviors are the salesperson who fails to greet a customer, a fellow worker who shows up late, a repair person who leaves a mess. All communicate something. Note, there are two important rules of communication. Rule number one. Anything can and will communicate. Rule number two, the receiver of the message determines what it means. The fourth category to manage is time. And no, running late does not count as exercise. Few people seem willing to set a price on the worth of their own time, yet everyone in business must do this and soon. The decision as to what your time is worth is quite personal. It's influenced by many factors, including your education or attainment of skill, age, professional reputation, amount of past experience, level of confidence, and degree of boldness or nerve. I call myself the wealth protection diva, not because it was a cool title that I picked out of a hat. I have earned the right to call myself that because of the amazing results I have created for my clients, which ultimately boils down to them picking my brain. I offer a value based on my knowledge, unique perspectives, and decades of experience, and they receive value when they follow my recommendations. The fifth category to manage is tasks and priorities. Every task, every project, everything you take on makes demands of your time. The fifth category to manage is tasks and priorities. Every task, every project, everything you take on makes demands of your time. No matter what you say about your priorities, where you spend your money, and your time will prove them out. One of the ideas Todd Henry shared in his book, The Accidental Creative, And something I've been practicing is whole life planning. I only have one calendar and everything I'm committed to doing is on that one calendar. That way I can see very easily if a new opportunity shows up, whether I have the energy to say yes or if it makes sense to say no. The sixth category to manage is technology. Are you so plugged in that you can't even imagine being unplugged? Do you need all of those different devices, readers, and apps? I like simple and uncomplicated, so you have to seriously think about all of your technology and determine if it's really helping you or causing more stress. The seventh category to manage is people, such as unrestricted access to you, your employees, vendors, clients, family, and friends, or cell phone, and email unrestricted access to you. Think about being reached at inopportune times, at inappropriate places. No advance notice, no time to think. Then you tend to rush through conversations, you agree to things you shouldn't and wouldn't if you gave the matter appropriate thought. Instant or quick is not the same as productive. The eighth category to manage is money. Business is like monopoly. When the cash is gone, the game is over. Freeing yourself from worrying comes from knowing your current cash balance and what to expect it to be in the future. A budget is one of the most powerful planning tools you have as long as you use it well so you can make important decisions. A budget helps you stay on course, planning, and allocating your resources throughout the year. The ninth and final category to manage is myself. The only accountability that really exists is whether I reach or miss my targets, which is based solely on the choices I have made about how I spend my time. I know that many of us feel torn by the things we want to do, by the demands placed on us, by the many responsibilities we have. We all feel challenged by the day-to-day and moment-by-moment decisions we must make regarding the best use of our time. If you're experiencing a gap between how you're spending your time and what you feel is deeply important in your life, the time to address it is now. I once read an old ancient proverb. It simply said, master yourself and you can master anything. My purpose for the show is to share that it doesn't have to be so hard if you want great levels of excellence, happiness, and an enriched daily life. It's more about simplicity and purposeful practices so that in your search for riches, you don't lose the things that money can't buy.
2: Have better ideas faster without the stress and burnout. This is Todd Henry, author of the Accidental Creative in Cincinnati, Ohio. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Thank you, Sherry.
0: Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com.
2: Hello, this is Steve Mestri, marketing consultant at givingtrail.org. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. This will be an exciting show about the practice of mindfulness as a critical part of stress reduction and overall wellness. The Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk.
1: If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit sherryhillshow.com. In the book, Performing Your Best, written by Tom Kubistant, he writes about peak performance. We have all had experiences where we witnessed incredible performances, whether from an athlete, an actress, a musician, or your child scoring the winning goal in the last minute of the game. Now think back to your own great, unforgettable performances. Remember those times when everything came together, seemed to click, and in which you had complete control. Those times could have been when you're sinking birdie after birdie on the golf course, serving aces on the tennis court, or when your dance steps magically came together to produce new levels of artistry. It maybe was a time when you were in such command of your sales presentation that you had your prospects eating out of your hand or delivered an inspiring, thought-provoking lecture to students in the classroom. These memorable occasions prompt us to wonder just how far we can go and provide us with incentives to find out. They're called peak performances and are the times when you transcend all previous efforts, when you seem to have both no control and yet super control over what is happening, and when you don't understand anything yet comprehend everything. In short, these are the performances you dream about. Peak performances and or experiences are those rare times in which we transcend into states of beauty, awe, wonder, bliss, clarity, simplicity, calm, order, understanding, and wisdom, to name a few. Frequently unplanned and unpredictable, these experiences are quantum leaps of integration and synthesis, extending you and your performances into strange and sometimes eerie new frontiers. The same is true of our creative experiences— You know those times when you're in the zone. Our thoughts and insights magically convert into a variety of outputs, anything from blogs, music, artwork, or speeches. As Todd Henry mentioned during his interview, it's no easy feat to be creative at a moment's notice. If you want to deliver the right idea at the right moment, you must begin the process far upstream from when you need that idea. That means building purposeful practices into your life that will help you focus your creative energy so you can unquestionably increase your capacity to experience regular flashes of creative insight, or as he calls it, creative accidents, that bring the best of who you are to your work and execute more effectively. A myriad of factors must be combined in the right proportions at the right times and in the right settings to produce your ability to create and deliver through peak performances. Although they vary with the individual and the activity, the following factors are inclusive of what you can consider to be a purposeful practice. Proper mental preparation like quiet time and a realistic positive attitude. Pacing. Prioritizing energy, unquestioning belief in yourself, accurate whole life planning and goal setting, seeing and taking advantages of opportunities, honoring and maximizing your own unique skills, proper nutrition, proper rest and recuperation, patience, persistence and maintaining a sense of joy and fun. When I talk about whole life planning, it means being absolutely clear on every commitment you have made currently, inclusive of both your personal and professional life. One calendar to look at. One calendar that helps you make informed decisions about adding things to it or letting go of anything that's not moving you towards your own goals and personal aspirations. If you seriously want to trade time for purposeful living, then you need to be conscious of what's helping or hindering your efforts. Ask yourself the following questions, which were designed to help you assess the deeper meanings of how you're making decisions around the use of your time currency, i.e. energy, which also translates into specific activities. As you begin to understand what your activity means to you, you'll notice an increase in your direction, purpose, and motivation for your pursuits. Here's the questions. What value or priority do you place on this activity? What personal needs are met by you doing this? How does this activity fit in with the rest of your life? What personal sacrifices have you made to pursue this activity? Could you see your life without this activity? Do you genuinely enjoy this activity for its own sake? How do you feel about yourself when you do it? Something else I'd like you to consider. You cannot think and do at the same time. Thinking and doing are two separate processes. Any attempt to combine them usually results in scattered and poor performances. This, of course, is why multitasking has proven that by trying to do it all, you actually get nothing done. Concentration is the name of the game. To be fully rounded as a person, consider adopting a philosophy of energy management. That means you now have a worldview that recognizes time as the one invaluable indispensable, irreplaceable ingredient of a successful, happy, highly productive life. This attitude toward time transcends something more than the clock or the calendar. By planning the life of your future, whether 5, 10, or even 20 years from now, this insight alone helps you realize that your choices and actions of today will ultimately affect and determine the results of your distant future. You are your most valuable asset. The part of you that makes you distinct and unique is your mind. Therefore, one of your highest goals in life should be achieving peace of mind, which means organizing your entire life around it. It is only possible when you are doing what you were meant to do with the people with whom you were meant to do it. You experience peace of mind when you're able to feel that your whole life is is under your control and consistent with your own values and goals. You achieve greater peace of mind when you listen to your intuition, your inner voice, which knows just how to guide and prompt you to do what is right for you. Our culture has so little silence, so much noise and busyness. Our standard greeting is, how are you doing? Or what are you up to? Does anyone ever ask you, What have you been wondering or thinking about? We place so much value on eventfulness and excitement. Can we learn to value silence, peace, serenity? Yes, by making sure we use some of our precious time for that. So when we talk about using your precious time, this is a great place in the calendar, to really reflect on what your life has been, where your life is going, what's working, and what, what's not working. And so this is a time of year where I really start to focus on what needs to change, what needs to stay, what do I like, what don't I like, as I move into 2016. Holidays are wonderful to reflect. Holidays are a wonderful time to spend with your family, your friends, to really pull together what you value most. And relationships are of huge value. And so as you pull your whole life planning together, the inclusiveness of those you love and the time you enjoy spending with them should be paramount, should be number one, should be your priority. When I come back, I'm going to introduce you to Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice The Secrets of Highly Effective Creatives.
2: This is Diane Sieg from Denver, Colorado. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is engaging and empowering with her own practices of mindfulness, both in business and in life. Thank you, Sherry.
3: Hello, I'm Andy from Junking, Reno. Why would you call us instead of doing it yourself? There's lots of good reasons. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. Call King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business and we're fully licensed and bonded. And you don't have to wait in a long line at a landfill or transfer station. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Let us help you get ready for the holidays. Call Junk King Reno, (laughs) 888-888-JUNK.
0: Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. Call 1 800 254 5779 or visit sageintl.com.
1: This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest. Todd Henry, who is the author of The Accidental Creative. And so I like that thought, Todd, where you're talking about as a business owner or the manager or the supervisor, we're in there cracking the whip going, hey, get this work done. Let's get it out. You know, it needs to be posted, uploaded, printed, whatever. And you're coming from the space of, you know, we can't do that. 24-7, 8 hours a day because it just is right. we're not going to be able to produce great work. And you talk about being brilliant, not mediocre.
2: That's right. Well, I think we, we all want brilliance in our life, but the, the reality is that we're wired for rhythm. If you look at the way that we, our minds function, the way that our bodies function, you know, if you if you told me to run flat out as fast as I can for an indefinite period of time, and you don't tell me where the finish line is, eventually I'm going to start slacking off. I'm going to start conserving energy because I don't know when you're going to tell me to stop. I'm not wired to sprint full out indefinitely. Yet, that's what we expect of many, you know, employee, many organizations expect out of their employees. And the reality is that we're wired for rhythm. The best ideas in our lives and in our organizations come from periods of alternating intensity and rest. It's the tension that we create, and then we have to rest from the tension. If we just live in a state of perpetual tension, if we never have any break from that intensity, then we're not going to have the kind of white space to connect dots, to form patterns, to look at what's going on. We're just going to keep moving through it, but we'll never step back to ask, what does all this mean? How does it fit together? And how might we be able to leapfrog and create you know, a disproportionate value for our effort because we're taking the time to step back and to know patterns. Instead, we just sprint full steam ahead, and over time, we we lose sight of the patterns because we're just obsessed with the next objective. And so, as individuals, you know, we have to own that as individuals first and foremost. Because many organizations aren't going to come in with a magic wand and grant you all the space that you need. You have to prove the merit of that. And one way to do that is by Reach this by restructuring how you use your lunch break, for example, or maybe coming in an hour early um, to do some, some, to create some space in your life to think about the important problems that you're trying to solve or rethink how you approach meetings. When you're setting a meeting, instead of using the default 60 minutes, instead try to structure your meetings for 40 minutes or 45 minutes to create blocks of 10, 15 minutes out of every hour so that you can have some space in your life, not just to run from thing to thing to thing, but to stop, to process, to think, to consider what's going to be required of you in that next meeting. So these should do, I mean, it's just a couple of little things. And there's, listen, there's nothing revolutionary about this, Sherry. It's not like, you know, this is something that's never been discussed before or, or thought of. It's just that we don't do it in the fray We're so busy, we don't stop to consider how we're approaching our work. We're too busy doing the work to think about how we're approaching our work. And the result is we become decreasingly effective over time. Well,
1: and as to your point as well, if you're constantly on and you're not recharging and you're not creating white space, then those innovative, spontaneous, creative moments have no place to show up.
2: That's right. Yeah, we, we are very good at squeezing those out of our lives and out of our organizations. And So when you look for what's expected, you find what's expected. That's the nature of how our minds work. You know, our minds look for patterns. And so if you're only chasing the expected, because that's all you have time for, that's what you're going to find. And you're squeezing all of the serendipity, all of the beautiful creative accidents out of your life.
1: Todd, people should tap into your website, ToddHenry.com. It's a wealth of information. you got a great blog out there. But also, you didn't just stop with The Accidental Creative. You also wrote the book, Die Empty, and your newest, Louder Than Words.
2: Yeah, so this is the, the, the third book in, I guess, what I could call the trilogy for creative professionals. I guess it's sort of like The Lord of the Rings, only slightly shorter. The accidental creative is about how do you have ideas when you need, them, how do you deal with the pressure. Die empty was about okay, great. Now you've got ideas, but are you doing your best work? You know, are you falling pro- prey to some of these forces that can cause us to get stuck uh, in a place of mediocrity? And one of the questions people kept asking me, Sherry, is I would go out and I would interact with companies and and speak to organizations about these principles. And they would say, okay, I feel like we're organized, we're we're getting good ideas, we're we're not stuck, now we're working on the right stuff, but how do we get people to listen to what we have to say? And so Louder Than Words is about how resonant voices in the marketplace have developed a, a sense of uniqueness and authenticity to such a point that their message begins to connect with and deeply resonate with their intended audience so it talks about how do you develop a a sense of identity and understand who you are and what your best work is founded upon how do you cultivate a sense of vision for your intended audience so that you're not just shooting out into the wind but instead you're 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 aiming specifically for a group of people you want to influence and how do you master the set of skills that you need in order to put those ideas out in the world in a way that they will be credible so that's really what the book is about it's about developing your voice and making it resonate in the marketplace
1: Do do you find, Todd, that when we're talking about the traditional non-creatives, those, you know, the business owner, the supervisor, the employee in the office, that there's a period of time where, I mean, literally, you you have to build up your voice, your self-esteem, your confidence to be able to say, hey, I got great things to say. These are brilliant in my own words. And so how do you help people overcome that?
2: Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, the process of developing your voice, I think is is often misunderstood, and that people think that it's about just going out there and being yourself and saying what you want or creating what you want or building what you want. And that's not how most really effective uh, contributors develop their voice. Instead, they started by closely observing people that inspired them, whether that's another business owner. It could be another leader. It could be a writer. It could be an artist. But they observe them and they start to kind of emulate them. You know, We tend to, to operate. We tend to build what we know. So you emulate. You develop a basic set of skills based upon what you observe in the marketplace. And then, over time, you begin to take small strategic risks. You diverge from the norm. You make bold decisions with your work. And you begin to apply your own intuition, your own gut to the process, right, um, over the course of time. and. I think that's what keeps many people at bay is they think, well, I have to go out there and just be bold and be, uh, you know, in people's face and saying, you know, whatever, you know, comes to mind. And, and often that's the worst thing you can do if you haven't built a basic foundation of credibility and, and skill so that you will be credible when you go out and, and connect with people. So, you know, my, my encouragement to people would be, you know, hey... If you haven't yet begun to build something based upon what you're observing around you, find somebody who inspires you. If you're a writer and you want to write, find somebody who inspires you and start emulating their work. Now, don't put it out there and call it your own work, right? Don't publish right. it out there in the world. But that's you, you, you do that by emulating other people around you. And then at some point, begin to take small strategic risks with your work. Many small businesses stall because they never get beyond that first phase. They build something by emulating other people, but they never really find their footing in the marketplace because they fail to make bold, strategic, and intuitive leaps at that critical moment where they suddenly realize, okay, we're kind of stalled out here because we're just building what's expected, but we haven't really made a bold decision with our work to try to reach a new audience. Um, And so, But that that only happens in, in what I've observed over the course of time. It's not something that happens all at once.
1: Awesome. Well, Todd, I sure want to thank you for joining me today. And again, I'm going to encourage folks to go out and check out Todd Henry's trilogy, The Accidental Creative, Die Empty and Louder Than Words. And I can personally say I just I ate up this book. I loved how you really laid it out there. Very well written, of course. You're a brilliant creative. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being here with me today. And if you ever want to come back to the Sherry Hill Show, I would invite you with open arms.
2: I would love that. Thank you so much, Sherry.